And part of me in my head is like, when do I do it? Is there a spot? Does he have a natural time that he does it? I know, because that's usually my excuse to like dip out and stop making eye contact when you've made me uncomfortable. (laughs) From just staring directly, directly into your eyes. Yeah, that in combination with the aggressive nipple rubbing. Oh, yeah, and I'm chewing my lower lips suggestively. I mean, like you do. Yeah, it's a bloody fucking mess over here. Oh, dear. Man. It's starting to get cold again. I got glass cutters working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is nice, though. We, we've got at least a, a nice suicide garage that we can sit in. A nice, yeah. nice hot cup of coffee. Yeah. Nice. We got some blankets out here. If we got chili, we could really snuggle up. I was going to say cuddling. You know, spoons. Yeah, uh, all that. The leaves are falling from the trees. Mm-hmm. Too bad I can't fucking see them, but... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, so one of my eyes just like kind of like it hasn't stopped working, but it stopped working correctly, but like very quickly, like in the last 2 weeks it's really started to revolt. Mhm. And like usually I can will away whatever like oh yeah, my hips all fucked up, but mm, yeah. I got this one. I I can't really like there's nothing I can do to, like, flick it or anything to, like, get it back in line. It's not like you could pop your eyeball back in. Make yeah, it work I, I mean, I could punch it, but I don't think that's really going to help. No. What, what's funny is that it's, it's disconcerting because I've had very similar things happen to me, and it's weird seeing somebody else react to it. I'm like, ah, shit, that's just... Yeah, that shit just happens to me, and I'm like, oh, crap, no. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried, like, if it was doing that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But, like, when it didn't stop, I was like, oh, well, that's a strange new develop. Oh, and it's getting worse. Fantastic. Fantastic. And does your brain go into weird directions? Like, oh, shit, I got elbow cancer, and I'm going to die in three days. Well, and- my mom got here the other night, and she looked at me, and she's like, are you high? I was like, no, my eyes all fucked up. She's like... <laughs> Yeah, you look like you like were lost looking at me. Like, yeah, I, like I knew it was you, but like trying to recognize a face through this weird... That haze, that little gray weirdness. It kind of is like a naturally occurring optical version of... You remember the old 3D with yes. the red and the blue? Mm-hmm. When you would look at them without the glasses on, it was just kind of like a weird overlay. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like everything's just kind of like wonky. Uh, for me, it's like... You know, you ever get the like aggressive eye boogers and you open your eye and you can't see because there's that film on your mm-hmm. eye that's what it kind of looks like for me when it happens like it, it'll just i'll i won't be able to focus and then it'll just cloud up and i can't see and that's what it's like yeah and then you hear them say like i got a knife motherfucker and you're like wow those are aggressive eye boogers yes they are they're, they're just sitting there trying to shake like, hey fuck your mother like oh man those eye boogers are really getting out of hand guys it's bad enough that you came here uninvited but now you're insulting me yeah it's like it's like that mucus monster from the mucinex commercials Jesus, and the overalls and that yeah why not fuck it <laughs> gotta go to work yes i mean somebody's gotta make money animating that stupid ass thing <laughs> hey there you go somebody got paid like a motherfucker yeah it's like uh somebody got paid to direct that too yeah well it's like the the dancing footballer when they show like the nfl things oh it's yeah like the thing that dances like yeah somebody made that mm-hmm, that's cool. a thing that exists yeah somebody got paid to sit in their computer chair and go this is fucking stupid and <laughs> just make it for them anyway you get to see this every goddamn week too mm-hmm. speaking of making stupid shit hey everybody <laughs> welcome to horror vomit where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to fucking always catch me <laughs> my name is chris faff and i am one of your hosts and i am james marino and i'm the other one of your hosts and this week Mm-hmm. Like it or not, you sons of bitches. We are to. Oh, that's right. James is doing the thing. I got. I. <laughs> I don't even have the paper. Like, because I usually go into it and then figure out what I'm doing. But you know, un- unlike you, I didn't take the right kind of notes. I've got the entire cast list, but not the year and the director. So you'll have to forgive me. I'll have to look stuff up. You can look that up while I'm reading. I am not doing any. Yeah. Oh, no. Or no. I can Nobody do listens to this anyway. It's not yeah, like fuck they're it. getting big ups. So we're doing under the shadows. Uh-huh. And it was, well, Chris, before I get started. No, do the <laughs> fucking thing. This I'm is what happens. Ball. Every goddamn time I let somebody else take the reins, hey. it flies right off the end of the fucking cliff. Yet you still other, let other people do it, you sick fuck you. Yeah, it's, I think it's just so I can yell. Okay, well, then 
<laughs> You've done, but, but done please, your duty. Uh, do, so I've regale, got the, regale me with a cast list. Oh, I will, I will. We're going to start out with... <laughs> <laughs> you fucking motherfucker. I got you. Read the fucking cast list. I'm, give me a second. I'm a stuttering fuck right now. Yeah, a- anyway. Okay, the cast list from the top. Again, it's <laughs> Narges Rashidi as Shide. Avin Manshadi as Dorsa. Bobby Nadiri as Iraj. Ray Horatian as Mr. Ebrahim. And Arash Morandi as Dr. Reza. Bijan Denishman as the director. Aaron Gassemi, I had a tough time with that one, as Mr. Ibrahim. Sausan Farachnia as Mr. Fakouf. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was difficult to say. Bahi Dejanati as Atai Pargol. Yeah, two or three is all you needed. Yeah. Okay, well then I'm about as far as I want to get. Thank you very much. Alrighty. Hey, I gave that. I, I, I really worked on that one. Uh, so Those I were some names I should was, not be trying to pronounce, by the way. I believe this is like a 2019, maybe 2020 at the latest, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, Iranian film. Indeed, indeed. Or possibly British-made, but Iranian-based. Mm. Right, right. I think, wasn't it funded? I thought it was funded British, and it was um, the director and the writers were Iranian. And I think it was like a, a multinational uh, multinational production, that's what I understood. That, that, that sounds like it would be about accurate. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, so, James. Yes. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How did you like Under the Shadows? I don't even have to... Pre- I don't even... I really liked this movie. <laughs> and I should... There's. I Again, this happened to me again, but if you anybody who knows me watches this movie and says that I sat for an hour and ten minutes before I had to stop, they would look at me like I was lying to them like a motherfucker. I sat down, start almost start to finish, because this movie was densely packed with a lot of things that directly impacted me personally, and, and it just locked me the fuck in. And so, and what I want to say about that, real, real, real quick, it's short. It's very short. This movie's an hour and 27. Mm-hmm. This isn't even a 90-minute feature, and it is to the gills. I do not think that they could have maintained that sparseness. Not even sparseness, but they, they couldn't even maintain that tone for another five minutes or ten minutes because it would have lost you. Because nothing happened. No. Nothing. Not a, Zero. Barely anything. The last bunch of minutes... And everything is just intimated except once, you know, and it's just amazing how I can be fucking locked in my head with a thousand trillion different things going on. It's so evocative. Everything in this movie is evocative Mm -hmm. and it just amazing. And I wish all movies were 120 minutes so that I could sit through with my ADHD ass. I understand why some are longer, but it's tough. But oh my God. And that's what I was kind of thinking about when I look at a, a lot of these like because she likes to watch shows she's mm-hmm. more of a television person and yeah. I don't have the time like I don't feel like I have the time for that mm-hmm. I this is why I love films like this because it's an hour and 27 minutes and it gives you a complete story mm-hmm. it wraps I guess it doesn't wrap everything up which we'll get to oh but, oh that ending yo But it tells a very specific, precise, almost... This was almost as focused a movie as All the Moons, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, where it's very much this. Pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't go a thousand different ways. There are a thousand different factors in the ways that things go, (laughs) but it's very precise in where it wants to go. It gets to the point. Mm-hmm. And it's a fucking fantastic film. And the themes it hits, all of the themes that it hits that are outside of the direct story. Okay? All of the themes that hits are just smack dab on. One of the things so that... Should, should we give just a quick synopsis? Would you like to? I always end up doing it. No, yeah, I will, I will try because, again, uh, basically it's the story of a family in Iran. 
and uh, the husband is called off. They're they're bombing. I mean, shit's happening, and the town's evacuating. Yeah, it's during the Iran-Iraq conflict. One of them, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So this was I, set in the 80s. I'm guessing around 82, it felt like. About, because they say it was about five or six years, or, or four or five years after the Cultural Revolution, which right, I believe... Was it 78? Somewhere around there, 78, 79, yeah. may have like really been in place by 80. Yeah, because I remember yeah. Khomeini came into power right around 80. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's when all that's when the hijabs were, you know, all that stuff was happening because I was watching it in real time in the news. And, and again, another theme that hit me. I was like, oh, Jesus, I remember all this stuff, you know? But yeah, it just, the themes in there are just so, again, there's just so much there. I, what I, I think the one thing I liked most about it is it set the tone without fetishizing the period. A lot of these movies that we see... We were doing a synopsis. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I get excited to talk about this movie because this movie fucking rocks. It's not, okay, good, yeah, getting we, back. We, we I, were just setting the tone that it is a woman in Iran in the early to right. mid-80s yeah, and after it, the Cultural Revolution. And that is also shown near the beginning of the movie because we're talking about she is also... She was studying to be a doctor. Her husband is a doctor. Everybody she knows is doctors. And she couldn't get back into, the, they show her going back. She's trying to get back into college because trying to make enough money and they're going to move out. Well, long story short is that he has to go off to war and she has to pack up the stuff and go. And then shenanigans ensue because her, you know, her daughter is, you know, loses her doll and strange things start happening. And, uh. Basically that's it in a nutshell, but everything else happens. that makes it even so much better. So. Uh, apart from the actual like context of the times yeah. and, and everything else in the film, I I think f- what I narrowed down is that I think this is a movie about acceptance. And, and I want to make a case for that. Okay, I want to hear this. So I, I have a little theory. Okay. I believe that it, her name was Sida, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Sida had uh, previously come from money because... I, I know that during the 70s, before the Cultural Revolution, that women were allow, allowed far more freedoms in Iran than they were under right. religious rule. And I understand that you know, women were encouraged to be doctors and scientists, what have you. However, a woman in Iran in the late 70s would probably need to be of some sort of means mm-hmm. to go to a college and have her mother buy her these books for her. Oh, Again, I know a lot of this was state-sponsored, but, no, but you, every... didn't, you didn't just get to go to college. No, you had to have connections. You had so, to know. I think a lot of what we're seeing is her, obviously not, obviously the big thing is not being happy with her life, but I think that almost everything happen- that happens to her is because of her inability, and I'm not saying this, like, mm-hmm. that she should accept any of this stuff. Right. Because a lot of the things that she's being asked to accept are, yeah, under religious, tyrannical rule. Mm-hmm. But she refuses to, again, to use the word accept, any of the situations that she is in. Yeah. And she responds to them with hostility and again refusal to recognize that these are the problems i can't just say i'm mad about it right it because i mean she's not allowed to go back to school because she had been previously involved in uh protests right leftist protests yeah leftist protests and that's why she's not allowed to resume her medical studies right and she can't accept that right she feels like all of that should be wiped clean, mm-hmm. which again, yes, honestly, it should. Hmm. But she's not accepting the situation that, like, no, that's just not a thing. I, you've got to get over it in the times that you're in. It sucks, but that's what it is. She gets very upset when her husband gets the call because he has to go be a doctor on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Like he's conscripted by the military or the government, whoever. Oh, you go. Yes, you go immediately. She responds again with anger. Right. And she cannot accept when he comes to her and says, your your mother died. I understand that you're upset and you want to do all this right now. And you, you can't be mad at me because I continued on with my studies. Mm-hmm. And because I'm doing all of these, you know, like I have to go to this war. She can't accept that. And she responds with anger. 
she can't accept the fucking ghosts that are in her house for the longest time. Right. And what does it do? It doesn't go away just because she's angry about it. And again, this this puts you into her position because, fuck it, I've been raised to fight everything all the time. If it's not right, fight, fix it. Fight, 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 fight. So it puts me right where she's at, which is really clever, the filmmakers. Yeah. Because we're all, we're all, everybody I know is we're going to fight for what's ours. We need to do this for us and our family. And ghosties don't exist. Right. Fuck that shit. And a lot of the things that she's doing and like just not accepting, it's not little things. It's things that you really like. And I think that's one of the biggest things that like as you get older, you learn about life is just, hey, man, sorry. Sometimes you just got to take it. It, It fucking sucks. But that's what I was thinking about a lot while watching this movie is just she refuses to recognize or or she will recognize these things Mm -hmm. but immediately reject it because it doesn't fit and you notice she doesn't like she'll be obstinate and she'll rail against but she never actually fight fights exactly so maybe it's which again leads me to believe that she came from some sort of money Mm -hmm. maybe not the very upper crust but at least enough to where uh she's used to not hearing no yeah, because, I mean, I, I don't know what doctors in Iran in the 80s make, but that was a very nice furnished apartment. And they oh, were yeah. living in what looked to be a very nice building. It was Toronto. gorgeous. Now, I've been, I have not been to Iran, but I've been to several Middle East countries. And I always wondered what the insides looked like because I saw the buildings from the outside. And it was just, it was really cool of me to see the insides. But yeah, I know that I've been to inside a few houses, but not furnished like that. That, that was some. Um, that was some nice stuff. Yeah, and the fact that like and the they, size. they have a VCR. Yep, in nineteen eighty whatever. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. one of the other things that like her refusal to accept anything. The scene where they show the reflection of her from the television after her Jane Fonda workout tape has been broken. Mm-hmm. And she's working out in front of a blank TV. That Just, that scene freaked me the fuck out because she was tons, manically working out too. And there are tons of little parts in this that as soon as I started thinking about it, I started seeing like, oh, she's seeing what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I understand it's not good things, but sometimes in life, like you have to accept that bad thing, like bad shit just fucking happens and you have to accept it. You have to like, and think, think about it too. Like I, I don't, when I was watching this movie, I just remembered, um, we, they used to tell like, uh, one of my friends' father's the rabbi, and he used to tell t- he used to tell scary stories of dibooks, which are possessing entities, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I saw in this movie. I don't know much about jinns. Um, ex- I don't know a whole lot that is actual factual. You know that was written about afrits and jinns. I only well, know D and D shit. Everything you would possibly need to know about jinns, you can learn from the classic nineteen ninety seven film Wishmaster. Oh, okay. Well, then I will have to. I'll have to so, see myself in some gin lore. So, uh, yeah, I'm an expert, you could say. <laughs> okay. Or you could watch Wish- Wishmaster 2, where the genie goes to jail for most of the movie and breaks out with the help of the Russian mob and then gets a job at a casino. Oh, wow. <laughs> but if you think, uh, but I thought about it as, I thought of this bad, this, this whatever this ghost was, this gin, was almost like a possessing entity because we'd seen so much of it. And it would make sense, too, because... You have no control. Yeah, when you can't, what, how, when can, how can you fight a possessing entity? You can just hope it blows over and that you're okay at the end, mm-hmm. which adds another layer to that idea, which is a really interesting concept. Now I can hang about 200 different things on that. Yeah, because she sees it in her face. Several people tell her exactly what is happening, and she refuses to believe it until it's pretty much very, much, very too late. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about this movie is that. Like the first time you kind of think you see something, but you don't know what you saw. And it was so fast and it wasn't even crazily cut. It's just you see movement under uh, under the bed. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, remember when you saw that face that came down slowly? That, that was the same kind of scare because it, it shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have scared me as bad as it did because it's just fucking blankets bellowing. I think there was only one jump scare that I clocked two that i jumped from okay one was the under the bed but i can't remember the other one. Oh, the other one were the teeth oh 
Man, the teeth. <laughs> the teeth fucked with me. Really? Yeah. I saw that, and that was the only part of this film that I went, well, that looks silly. But <laughs> It's just a giant pair of fucking human chompers and a hoodie. Yeah, but it, it, well, it was ringed, and it looked like, almost like a, a, a seed pod, too. And it was like, yeah, but it looked like it could have had an eyeball in it, but it was teeth. But what really, what, what, I, what really fucked with me is that's what a kid would be afraid of, the chompy monster, the blankets moving. And that's what it presented itself as, the moving billowing, the, the strange face, and things that kids would be afraid of, which added, that's what made it even scarier to me. Because after I jumped, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, if I was five, that would scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't intending to scare the mom. It was intended to scare the shit out of this kid to make it more apt to do whatever its bidding was. Yeah. And I, I thought that was amazing. I mean, again, the layers that they have in this movie, if you don't, you can watch this movie without thinking about it. Again, linear story, and it's very effective in what it does. But once you start peeling that fucking onion, there's just more and more, and you can, it's, it's just really and, good and that way. When you also, and I think this was really, really very smart, because they took effectively, you know, a ghost story, a, a mm-hmm. haunting, like an old time gin story obviously and placed it with a main character in a time and a place where it's our she's already kind of beleaguered mm-hmm. and where there's everything else going on and now there's just this spirit that's an extra force of nature to set it in iran with a female protagonist mm-hmm. in the early mid 80s yep. and just and the thing is they don't really show her being oppressed that much. Just the once. Uh-huh. Where she was overtly oppressed for yes, walking around yes, without yes, a hijab. Yes. And that was the scary, like, that as was scary as the supernatural is, scary to me is reality. The scary to me is a real situation that could and did happen. Remember, the, the, the most chilling line was, you know you can get lashes for that. Yes. Oh, my fucking God. When, yeah, it's... And she's it's, running it's, scared out of her mind with a sick child in her arms, and she still has to worry about this one guy's decision whether she's going to get lashes or not because she's fucking scared to death and ran out of her house in an emergency. Yeah, and I mean, culturally accurate for the time or not, I, I think, you know, saying it as you could get lashes rather than like being shot because when we watch these kind of movies, like being shot, like, yeah, that's... It's scary because somebody's dying. But unless you've been getting, shot, you can't really go. Getting lashes <coughs> is so much more intense and uncomfortable th- than any act of like, like how do I say, like mortal violence. Right. Oh, that made my fucking skin crawl. Because you're the thinking way, I gotta sit down later. And yeah, yeah, and the way they lit it, and the old lady that walks in throws her the hijab and says, "Get yourself dressed. Yeah. You ought to be ashamed." Yeah, have some have some modesty. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. And again, that falls back into what I'm saying is that she puts it on. She doesn't fight fight mm-hmm. like you said. She, but she also doesn't accept it. That look that she gave, uh-huh. like that motherfucker. I want to shank you. Look. Oh my god, it was beautiful. Yeah, and just staring deadly at him, mm-hmm. just straight faced. Yep. Mm. Very, very good. I bet you he was sitting there going, I'd probably give her two lashes or her face. Yeah, it was it was well done. I mean, everything that they put in, nothing was put in this movie that didn't need to be put in this movie. Mm, no. Huh. Um, but then again, you said it was a shorter running time. They, they put, it's like because it was so sparse that everything that you see needed, needed to be there because it meant something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I like about this movie. I, I never, never, never would have thought that I would understand the depths of a quiet movie or a depth of a movie that doesn't move and jump at me and, you know, disco light me. And uh, this is what, the third one, third one I've seen recently that just changed my perception of movies. And what I think is very, very good, uh, going just back to how good I think the just overall setup with the time and place and everything else you never really know when a scare happens if it's ghosts or if it's war. Right. Because the thuds. Uh-huh. And a, a goddamn missile falling into the ceiling. Well, 
Concussion, yeah. concussion from a missile. Yeah, but yeah, what I'm saying is that <coughs> it was such a smart thing to do to set this at this time. And obviously it probably has some personal or cultural relevance because well, you're not a white guy from Ohio who makes this kind of movie. Right. But Now, one of the things that I we talk about that theme specifically for that era, um, we talk about alienation and just being stuck just stuck with nowhere, nobody, no one. The the closest I've come to that is I've had to shelter in place for a hurricane when I was stationed out in South Carolina. And then we were were taking shelling, but we, for some reason, we couldn't fire. We had to maintain in place for three days. Now, I'm on a ship. I can move around a little bit, but my... So this, let's say the size of this yard, that's my entire existence. The same exact people every day. That's my entire existence. No change, no nothing. This was before VCRs. This was before all, Well, we had a VCR on ship, but there's not like you're fighting 752 guys to get it. Right. You know, so you, you read a book, you talk, there's nothing in your constant. It's, uh, it's a mix. There's a weird mix of complete boredom and absolute terror because it becomes normal. You know shit's getting shelled. You hear them. After a while, it becomes normalized, and you just notice when they get close. Which is, uh, just to cut in, exemplified in the film, because when everybody's left the building, it's still her and Dorsa just mm-hmm. sitting in the basement. Yep. And Dorsa says, oh, I think it stopped. And she says, well, let's wait a little bit. Yep. And every you notice every time they talk about actual violence and killing, they're talking about it like we're talking about this. Yeah. And... Uh, Again, it's similar. I know, you know, people I grew up with, you know, during certain parts of uh, certain parts of the year, they have big festivals, but lots of people are just shooting live rounds just randomly up in the air. Everybody goes down to the lower apartments. They go into interior rooms. They have bookshelves lining, not because they read everything, but they'll catch bullets. And, you know, you just walk down the street and unless it's happening, it's something you talk about or you see. And so it's nothing or intense violent or intense scary. And it, it just, I saw that writ large again on the, on the screen watching this movie, the absolute alienation of these people. Yeah, because before her husband leaves, she just passively mentions, hey, I need you to tape up the windows again. If, like, the tape's starting to fall off, so if it explodes or if there's concussion and it blows in, you know, it's fallen off. I need you to fix that for yeah, me. Yeah, and you're supposed to do an asterisk shape, not an X, because more, more shards come up. But, uh, right. You know, what do you, you know, shut up. It's a movie. But yeah, it, it's just that watching these people living, these people, God, that sounded terrible, but watching the people living in this nightmare situation and being relatively calm and going about their day because what else are they going to do? I guess it, it's a feeling that like I personally have never had and it to watch it is so almost Actually, alienating to me where you watch it and just go like, God damn. The closest I can come to a feeling that you probably have had like this. Have you ever been in the middle of a story? You're talking about something you did back in the day and you think it's a funny story or just a slice in a life story. And the entire fucking room goes quiet and looks at you like, what's a oh, poor guy wants to give you a hug or something. Have you ever had that happen to you? Uh, yes. That's what happens when crazy shit becomes so normalized to you that it's a funny anecdote. You've had that happen to you, not to the degree, but it's the same kind of thing. You become so inured to the daily chaos or bullshit that it it seems like you just get on with your life. And we get to see that in another version. So, again, they they do amazing shit with this movie. Yeah, it... Here's one thing that I I really noticed too, and it really kind of made me think, because like I, like most Americans probably, I don't know a ton about Iran, <laughs> especially previous or after. I did a little bit of looking, and when they tell her no because of her le- left, she can't continue her studies because of her leftist activities. Mm-hmm. I kind of do believe that that's why, because I was doing a little bit of reading that after the Cultural Revolution, obviously they said, no, women cannot do anything. Right. And then they realized that they really needed them to. Yep. So at that time, women were still allowed to be doctors or mm-hmm. scientists and what have you. I mean, obviously, to a very limited degree. Yes. But with someone with her training, they 
previous training anyway, they absolutely probably would have let her in had it not been for that. And I just, thinking about the differences in culture really, really struck me. Yeah. And, and I don't think it has a whole lot to do with the times because, I mean, we haven't changed that much since the 80s. I can't imagine Iran mm. with the strict uh, rules that they have. Well, I would, I would argue that we have changed a lot since the 80s. Yeah. Culturally. Um, as far as actual changes in the system, no. But as far as culturally and cultural acceptance, et cetera, we've come a huge way. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. But yeah, as far as like, I guess, policy stuff. Yeah. Policy is, is going to, it's always a long fight and it always will be. But separately though, there, um, what's fucking, what's fucking a lot of these nations up is the freedom of information. And so you'll see things like uh, Iranian girls sneaking in dressed as men to go watch a, a, a soccer match. Mm. If you, they'd have tried that in the 80s, they'd have been shot. Or they would have been lashed so many times they would never walk right again. So there is a difference. There, you know, uh, it, it's still you know, oppressive but different. And it, it, so there has been change and there will always be change. But as long as there's conflict there's never going to be a lasting, lasting change. And, you know, it's going to be difficult for women for a long time. Right. And one of the other things that I noticed, and this is going to sound real, real weird, but it led, it led me to a weird place as well. But in the uh, sequence where she is running down the street and then forced to put on the hijab and then goes back, there's a shot where she goes back home where she has it on mm-hmm. and in, without cuts or anything takes it off and i noticed just how markedly different she looked Mm -hmm. and obviously she's a a movie star Mm -hmm. she's gorgeous but like seeing her with the hijab on it made me realize that like oh yeah growing because i was about 15 in the year 2000 Mm -hmm. like right before we really kicked off into the iraq war so it made me realize that just being like an American who grew up in that time, I had never really seen uh, Middle Eastern women without a hijab on. Oh, okay, okay. Well, because in all of our media, that's generally how they're shown, especially if you've watched news and especially around then. And it almost, it got me really thinking that like, man, and I kind of didn't care to figure it out Mm. because we've kind of been conditioned from when I was young, you know, that like, we don't really give a shit about the Middle East. Mm. See, and, I, I have a different experience, so. Yeah, exactly. But uh, what I'm saying is that, yeah, like, a lot of anti-Middle Eastern sentiment got deposited w- when we when I was, like, a teenager. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting, as I've gotten older now, to, yeah, to go back and realize, like, oh, yeah, it, they're people. Like, it sounds stupid, but, like, mm. having now seen... Now seeing like it's a goddamn zoo exhibit. God, I'm such a shitbag. Yeah, but just seeing an Iranian woman without her hijab on made me realize that like, oh yeah, there's, they're not all just wearing this compliantly. Like, mm-hmm. she really hates this shit, and mm-hmm. it's just something that I never really thought about. And what happens is if you if you think about the generation, there's a a generation now of a lot of women in America who choose to use it or wear hijabs because now it's become a symbol of their, their heritage become a symbol of that. So they've changed yeah. what it means. It's kind no of. longer a symbol of oppression. They've taken it back and it's a symbol of, you know, they're, 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 they're showing, uh, they're showing, you know, they're showing, um, you know, loyalty to the culture, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because of all of the flagrant anti Middle Eastern right. sentiment after you know oh, well it was that, big you know it was getting fateful big fateful day in september about well i know but you got to think about it right around 87 88 the bad guys went from being russian to middle eastern in almost every movie so rambo went from fighting communists to afghanis no, and it, it had started rambo at, fought alongside the afghanis fighting the uh, well, the but but there were a lot of other Rainbow movies where what fucker? I forget. I saw it when you used it came to hold out. the Guinness uh, World Record for the most violent film of all time. I love it. Had the most individual acts of violence of any <sighs> film, and it, God, it took a long time for somebody to break that. Mm. I forget what it was, but uh, wow, yeah, it's a uh, Rainbow Three is extremely violent. Ah, 
And it's the best. I have not revisited since I saw it at the theater. Oh, we watched it a few weeks ago. It rules. I might have to go it's check it out. dumb as shit. I might just sit down and watch all of them end to end. It is uh, dedicated to the uh, the proud people of Af- Afghanistan. Uh-huh. But they, was st- they did start using a lot of Middle Eastern baddies. But yeah, uh, around 91 when we uh, invaded for the first time. Mm-hmm. For the first desert storm. It, yeah. It's it's kind of amazing. If you watch WrestleMania 7, it is America as fuck because we had just went to war mm-hmm. in Iraq for the first time. And again, I recognize that Iraq and Iran are two very different places. Yes. But, I mean, the Carter administration had problems with Iran, so we were kind of... Uh, Itching for a fight in that part of the world. Well, it kills me because right around that time too, I was, uh, I was still eligible because I had um, a certain amount of years of what's called inactive reserve, and I would have to occasionally show up with all of my military equipment to Great Lakes, and get weighed and checked in every once in a while, to make sure I was still fit for duty. I fucking did not like that time at all. I had already done my time in the military, and I was not happy to have to. Guys, knock it off. Come on, just just stop until I'm old, please. And they did. Well, they never did, but I, I aged out finally, so yay. Well, anyway, the long story that I was getting to was just, yeah, it was very interesting to see kind of a slice of life before all the, like, real spooky start. Oh, yeah. Of this woman living in Iran in the early mid-'80s. Oh, and, yeah. And being kind of amazed because... Again, I'm a stupid American dick, and when they showed her driving, I was just like, what the f- I didn't think that was allowed at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently... Oh, yeah. It was fine. Well, under circumstances. That, that's why I was thinking that she might have come from money or status. Right, but, but for example, when, when COVID hit, I was still able to go every place because I was considered an essential worker. If there was an emergency and a woman was able to drive... They would drive, and it would be okay if you could prove the reason for the drive. It wasn't like women were out driving every day. and That is true because she does get stopped. Yeah. It, it cuts away before we see the interaction happen. But, yeah, she is stopped by uh, right. presumably police. Like, what are you doing? Why? Are you, why what are you driving for? Yeah, that, that's fair. So it, it, it's uh, under circumstances, again, much like you said, you can study in the medical field so you can do these things, but the men are going to do this. And they separated it. And again, uh, uh, orthodoxy is just scary. Yeah. Any kind of orthodoxy, just... Yeah, any real hard-line beliefs about anything are Mm -hmm. usually pretty fucking dangerous. Yeah, zealousy scares me. And especially when imposed on entire nations. Never really seems to work out great. People who are super, super down for their shit scare me in general. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, just let up a little bit. It's okay. Breathe. Breathe. No, because then God will get us. Yeah, okay, stop breathing that. Like, like the gin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my, 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 my. But oh, I, I think uh, the other parts that I... What really drew me also into this movie is the relationship like between the mother and the daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one, that, one scene that particularly struck out that just struck me at, like, I've had this exact same argument with my kid. Because you forget sometimes that you're, you you get so locked in with your kids sometimes that you forget their children. Yep. And then you argue with them like they're adults. Yep. And so the so they're having the argument. Well, if Guilty. I didn't fucking lose it, or I didn't lose it, and nobody took it, who took it? And then the mom's like, "Well, are you saying that I took it? Are you suggesting that I took your doll?" Blah blah. I just going off on this kid, and I'm like, I've had that same fucking argument with my kids because I had just and, had it. And tearing apart her room and going, "Look, it's not here. I told you." Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, you step back and realize that oh, that's a child. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't really need to go that hard to prove a point. But they pegged the dynamic exactly because you're under a stressful situation, and this kid lost his fucking doll. What are, you, what are you saying right now? It's a fucking doll. Let go. We got to go. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We hear bombs in the distance. And on top of that, some people are talking about this genie bullshit. And if I don't think it's real, but if it is, I don't want to fucking be here. Let's, let's unass. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole dynamic that we're seeing right there. 
and it's just it was so real it was so real it pulled me in and the part with with uh dorsa that really got me it was uh what you were talking about earlier was uh the bed scene where all of a sudden her husband's in the bed when she rolls over and she i forget what she exactly she says to him Mm mm-hmm but he pretty much disappears before her eyes and something under the sheets just tackles her. Yes. And I was so impressed because again, it's like the dress thing from all the moons. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to do. You just have somebody there flinging blankets around and then scooting under the bed at the last minute and fluffing them a few times. Yeah. But it was fucking terrifying. It was because it looked like it was, you think it would look. Yeah. It looks like a God. She's wrestling a ghost. Yeah. And she runs into Dorsa's room and Dorsa screams, "It playtime is not over. I, I don't get scared for movies a lot, and mm-hmm. I especially don't get like terrified by like the creepy child. But Dorsa wasn't a creepy child. She was just a little girl. Yeah. That's when it gets me, is when they don't try and do like the fucking over-exaggerated demon child makeup. Mm-hmm. She just looked like a kid with a fever who was screaming because a ghost told her to. Yep. Well, and, oh, that just reminds me, I, I, I think the scaredest I'd been, I used to I used to work like 4 o'clock in the morning, but I went out one time and I, I couldn't sleep. It was 2 o'clock in the morning and I walked outside and there was an unattended child walking down the street, stopping and staring at windows. Now, granted, I... I found the mom. The mom was looking for the kid, whatever. But there was nothing. For that brief moment, you go, what the fuck? I know. There's nothing more disconcerting in the entire world than a unattended child doing something weird after dark. Dude, you want to know the part that really got me in Mm. this movie that actually kind of scared the shit out of me? Oh, I must know. Was uh, Sida hears a noise upstairs where the bomb had already come through. And we're well into the spookies. Yeah. And she leaves the door open because uh-huh. they're the only people left in this building. Right. She comes back down the stairs and we see what ends up uh, presumably being the gin, but mm-hmm. it just kind of has the posture of an old lady wrapped in a shawl. Yes. And it just runs in and shuts the door behind it. Yes. That is such a rote thing to put in your movie. Right. But they shot it... The. The angle in which they shot it, the lights, just right. the simple pattern that they did, mm-hmm. the unnatural but not like lightning quick speed in which right. it raced in the door and shut it behind it. It's like you're... everything was done so goddamn well that I just went, Jesus fucking Christ! It's like okay, you think about it because your brain is clocking old lady, right? Uh huh. Any movement that's faster than old lady is gonna freak you the fuck out. So she moved about like I would move on a good day. Boom. Like, if you see a kid about to fall in a pool, it was right. about that quick of a jog. Right, but it's not it's not outside of the realm of human movement. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's goddamn terrifying. It was, it was, it was. And the, the other thing that I really like about the Spookies, and I thought they did this pretty well because they didn't go too long with it, which I think they could have really ruined it had they gone any longer, was the finale, mm-hmm. where that shawl that the old lady was wearing expands out over the room and it's... Mm-hmm. Almost like the uh, a nether region yes. inside of this fucking shawl. And mm. the print that they got, it was just a simple black and white, but that was so effective. But it was a mesmerizing pattern because it was almost, rec- it was almost oh, God, uh, diamond-shaped. And the way it moved, it went square diamond-shaped, and the way it moved was uh-huh. hypnotic. And it was almost like it was trying to lull you in because the whole point of the gin was to lull you to it. To drag you to it, grabbing your personal possessions, pulling you towards it. And that pattern, when it moved, I was like, oh, I want to go sit on that. It looks comfortable. And I think it's one of the only times that I've ever seen like super quick cuts like that mm-hmm. where it was done well. Because yes. it's supposed to be so disorienting mm-hmm. that it it's not almost like painful to look at. But no. again, had they gone a little bit longer, I think it would have ruined it. But they timed it out so well. And then... You realize that it's still just a fucking shawl because she rips it open and the entire thing deflates. Oh, I know. And that is st- when the when the shawl dissipated, 
into that black goo on the floor. Yeah, just Dude. like ectoplasm in your brain. My brain was just racing. Like, oh, is that ectoplasm? What is that? Is it gonna is it gonna turn into an acid? Is it gonna eat shit? What is going? Is it gonna finally manifest? What's going on? Uh huh. Yeah. And it's exactly what I want in like a, a possessiony, otherworldly, supernatural, monstery, whatever kind of movie. Mm-hmm. That again, like you said. Not a whole lot happens. There's little spooks and scares here and there that, right. again, I think are very well paced out. But to do something so easy for your finale but mm. make it so impactful. But they did it so beautifully because you were never sure who was who and what was what. Uh-huh. And having her, for lack of a better term, escape be yeah. her literally pulling herself out of the blackness. Yes, and, and again, the imagery with the bed, we're all scared as kids of what's under the fucking bed. Uh-huh. I'm glad that my bed is on the floor because my frame busted. Yep. Because I would have been, I, I been sleeping on the motherfucking couch, and I would have made sure that I would have the blanket shield because you know demons can't reach under the blanket you, as long as you tuck your feet, goddammit. <laughs> and I would be all five years old in my head every time I went to sleep because that movie effectively reinstated my fear of under the bed. There's a couple shots that I wanted to talk about too. Oh yeah. Just as far as the filmmaking, mm-hmm. the one, the sequence, I guess, where she is laying in bed and she sits up suddenly, and the camera shifts up with her. Yes. Because she's laying sideways. Clearly, she's vertical on the screen. And when yeah. it sits up, she's right side up, and the camera moves with her. Yes. And it's supposed to be like a dream sequence where some of the spookies happen. Mm-hmm. And it shows her back in bed, laying in the same vertical position. But this time when she sits up, it doesn't sit up with her. It just shifts downwards. Yes. And she's sitting up perpendicular to the... Oh, God, it's so goddamn good. I know. James, it's such an interesting thing to do to almost do the same shot, but shift it so you can tell there is a difference in the reality in the two. And not only that, but think about it. That's visual filmmaking at its finest, baby. Absolutely. Now, now take a look at... (laughs) The amount of coordination, because I never really think about this, but I thought about it in this movie, the amount of coordination it took for the director's idea and the editing, because the editing has to be just right because it wouldn't work any other way. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies where if poor any poor edits would have been so glaring, mm-hmm. would have been so glaring as to ruin the movie. If it's, yeah, a scene lasts even half a second too long. Like it, everything cuts where it should. And it has it all to be fits together. Absolutely economical and precise, and they never drop it. And so that's editing, and that's the judgment of the director. And you, you need to think about it. a lot of times. There, I imagine that there's all power on set, but probably ninety percent of the time is like, oh shit, we got to do this right now. Fix this. Do this. Do you know? Yeah, there's a director of photography pulling his goddamn hair out trying right. to get the right angles and lighting on these shots right. but this this one seemed like everybody was same page yeah same page yeah. focus tighten it okay done 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 let's get this movie out it's gonna be great the one that also really got me is there is a in I, this actually i think might hold a little bit too long there's uh it ends up being a top-down shot of the staircase mm-hmm it's, it's when they're hiding in the basement. Yes. And they start to come up. And it holds on this shot of the staircase. And it, the way that they angled it and captured it, it almost looks like an Escher painting. It did, yeah. Where you can't tell if the stairs are going up, down. And it's so disorienting because a lot of this movie is about disorientation. Mm-hmm. It, it fucking just it knocked my socks off for this, you know... Small movie about this Iranian woman. Just like, Jesus, look at this fucking thing. The, look you, at this fucking thing. It's so good. But you think about it. So, like, sometimes we've I've seen movies throughout this that you know that they put it in because it was fucking gorgeous. And they put it in the movie whether it needed to be there or not. Yeah. The, God damn uh, it, it's there. The rainbow in Kill List. Exactly. The Ben Wheatley bullshit where it's like, oh, this lo- just looks cool. Yeah. But Which this, is nice. But this nothing is, against it. This looked cool. And it helped the movie. It aided the movie. Uh-huh. It didn't need to be there, probably not, but it fit with the tone of the movie. It fit with everything. So I love the fact that they put it in there. Like, we've got the shot. Let's put it in. It'll fit right here, and it will actually be okay. Yeah. We've got this good idea for something that we can do very easily that will be very effective in visually telling you what's going on instead of us just... Bleh. Yep. Did Speaking you feel of- like there was any exposition in this movie? Uh, little bits. About just, the gin? Yeah, just to, like, I don't want to say, uh, like, 
keep you up with what's going on because uh, they do a very good job of showing you instead of telling you, which goes to your point. But there were little bits where, you know, like it it is still a story. You have to help it along. Right. But I'm saying usually when I, when I say exposition, I know there's exposition in everything because movies wouldn't exist without it. Yeah. But when I say exposition in a movie, that's a noticeable exposition. There was no noticeable. I didn't sit there and feel like they were telling me. I think when she sat down with the landlord's wife might have been the only kind of dump. Yeah, that's but, but that's the information about the gin and the Abraham boys and that 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 little dude, that little young person that seemed like an old man. Yes, the mute that whispered the stories of the gin, the bad gin to. Oh, they did that so good. Uh-huh. I forgot about the whole side with the kids and the other kids didn't want to talk to him and. Uh, and they kept him home and separate from the other kids. And yeah, because even the wife thought he was creepy. Mm-hmm. And she believed in all that stuff too. She was telling, "Hey, no." She was telling her, "Hey, this is no. This is the fucking deal. You better. You got to get and make sure you get all your gear because they're going to steal your gear to get you to come back for it." Mm-hmm. And guess what? It did. Man, Dolet's gear to come back for exactly it. Exactly where I was going because I absolutely love the ending of this film, and I don't usually like the endings of movies. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know if it's a me thing or if a lot of just endings to movies suck, but this one, ooh, ooh, it got me so good because they're never like you, safe. like you said, they don't just bleh and tell you, right? They show you, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what the score is because it's explained earlier that the gin, if it gets a hold of one of your personal possessions. Mm-hmm. That it marks you, mm-hmm. and you can never get away from it. Nope. So that obviously, uh, the doll is the possession. Yep, came of, of the doll of Dorsa's yep. that it took. But we kind of forget about the medical text. Yeah. Although they, I, they show it later in the film, just to remind you, which mm-hmm. I think is very, very good. Th- th- they. But it wasn't a clue bad. It was just like, it was part of the story. Yeah, she opens the drawer because she thought she got rid of it, I think. Yeah. And sees it and it looks kind of confused and then closes the drawer. Yeah. It's one of those things, if you've seen like Annabelle or The Conjuring or whatever, like, yeah. oh, we got rid of the doll and it came back. Right. It's ghosty shit. Yeah. Or the doll disappeared and came back. That right. kind of thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't kick you right in the dick. Right. And say, look at this fucking book. But It makes note of it and moves on. And at the end, that last shot, when it shows... Uh, it shows, uh, was it Kima? Kima? Kimia. Kimia. Yeah. yeah that's doll. right, because I was making a joke in my head that its first name was Lou. Yeah, Lou Kimia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hate you. Yeah. But, uh, it, it shows this shot because, uh, she has Kimia's body. Mm-hmm. The, the doll's body, and it just shows Kimia's head on a stair. Yep. Remember, though, that, the, the, and it pulls back that shot you'd seen earlier when mom was fixing... Yep. Fixing the doll. I promise you, I'll get this doll right and we'll go. Yeah, because the missing doll was in her... Lock drawer. In, in her, her safety drawer. stuff where she doesn't want, you know, probably keeps the vibrator and stuff. She keeps it locked so the kids don't get in it. Yeah. And Dorsa is just like, you had it this whole time, which, fair assumption, kid. But, yeah. And she's swearing up and down that she didn't, so she just tapes it back together because it's been uh, segmented. Yeah, and that that was creepy as fuck. Sure was. I never just thought like the arms, legs, and head ripped off a doll just sitting in a drawer after all this time would really get a rise out of me. Ooh, but it did. shit did it. Mm-hmm. So she tapes it back together, and Kimia's head has fallen off on a stair. Mm-hmm. And just a nice little overhead shot of her medical book up just in flapping the pages in the wind a couple at a time. Yep, up in flip. the haunted upstairs flip, apartment flip, flip. with the doll's head. Flip flip. <laughs> Yep. Flip. How did he get up there? Flip, 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 flip. Oh, this is fucked up. Flip, flip, flip. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't go into where you would think a lot of like shitty pop horror where like they'd be driving down the road and something goes rah at the end. Yeah. At the end. No music roll. sting. No nothing. Just, no, there si- it is. Just silently ends. Just yeah. makes, makes its nice little exit. Oh, by the way, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, these two are doomed forever. Yeah. But uh, have a good night. It's but, so fucking bleak. No, but if you think about the social commentary about her situation. It, yeah, I, I, yeah. It pulls it all right the fuck back together. When you look at small themes or big themes, they don't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. Because the ending tells you it's bleak. There's no getting out of this. There's, you're, you're fucked. 
Yeah, and it it, it is the real, you know, no, none of the boys were harassed, mm. I guess. Nope. And setting it as women in Iran is saying, pretty much specifically with the ending of this, you're marked. Mm-hmm. You will be marked forever. Yep. And yeah. bad things will probably happen to you. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously... Be careful. In this situation, it's the gin, but obviously the... the mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it stands stuff. Uh-huh. And it, it's funny because if you think about how little I know yeah. about this... Yeah, it's this, hilarious. It's real funny, no. James. No, but it's funny that about how little... She's going to be stoned. <laughs> and not the way you'd like... But, no, with rocks. Yeah, that guy, yeah. Um, but now I forgot my point. Fuck you. Oh, about how little we actually know about this culture, yet it was made clear to us in tone just by watching this. Nothing, again, except for that one overt scene. It's a tone. This is bleak. This is not going to happen. It's bad for you. There's nothing you can do about it. You can try, escape, you do what you can, you live as much as you can, but this is always going to be hanging over you no matter where you go while you're here. And it it makes it very clear without being, again, overt. It just puts it out there for you. And with our, again, you were talking about our limited access into the culture, our limited knowledge. We still get that message, which is how well it was presented. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I really appreciate, you know, you have now balanced that fuck you for why, making me watch this and thank you for making me watch this because you have expanded you've expanded what I can see in a movie just by seeing movies like this. And one of the other and I'm going to call it a scare because it, they do show the man's face sinisterly a, after this happens. After the first bombing, when they have uh, like a repairman come by, mm-hmm. and he's talking about, you know, yeah, it's dangerous. My wife wants me to leave the city. We're making right. a ton of money on whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter runs into the room, says, Mom, can I watch my tapes when they're not supposed to have a VCR? <gasps> and it brings this element of danger, not only from ghosts or war outside, but also just people. Yeah. And again, it's reinforced with the whole shawl thing when she's running down... Yeah, I'd forgotten the, about that. The streets. The, oh yeah, she also has to worry about just people. Mm-hmm. And you and you notice most of the people, the people that we were um, introduced to in the film that stayed were men. Her her doctor, the doctor that she went to when she was getting, he's staying. He's a dude. Everybody who's staying, other than her, was a guy. I never thought about that until just now. Yeah, and I thought there was a really interesting thing, too. It could have nothing to do with anything, but it really reminded me of... Did you ever see uh, The Pianist? Yes. That Roman Polanski film about yes. World War Two. At the beginning, when the... Oh, no, no, I didn't see The Pianist. I saw The Piano. I'm sorry. Two totally different movies. Anyway, it's about uh, the Nazi invasion of Poland. Yeah. In Warsaw. and or Warsaw ghettos in that, yeah. Yeah, but at the very beginning, when they start passing all those decrees and whatever, and mm-hmm. people start leaving, it, it's them as a family saying, well, no, we're not leaving. We're not leaving our home. Right. And, and I just thought that was a very interesting parallel. That That's one of the... Pretty much the only reason that she is in peril is because, well, from the war anyway, it ends up being just her and Dorsa in this entire building. Mm-hmm. And again, that not wanting to accept that there is danger. There is fucking danger. Oh, yeah. You need to get out of there. No, she wants to stay in her home. And it just really struck me that. Whether or not that thing about, you know, the family in Poland in World War II, mm-hmm. whether that was true, and just following it down through, this is a different place in a different time. Same thing. It was just somebody not wanting to leave their home. And I get it. Well, and. But you have to realize there is imminent fucking danger out there. My last two years of high school, I went to a, main, a predominantly Jewish high school. And one of the things, our, our, a lot of our coursework is the studying of how this happened, why this happened, uh, and the stories of people staying in their home because of the tight-knit culture, et cetera, before they were completely oppressed. It, it was a big, a big source of education for us to tell you, hey, if you see the writing on the wall, get the fuck out, get the fuck out quick. And, and it was also, on the other side, the reason we're here in this country 
is because shit was not good. And I've been back to, again, been back to certain areas and I see why the fuck we came over. Not to say Mexico is horrible, but the areas that we're from there are, are there are places that are not great. Yeah, so it's very real to me. And in, in my whole the whole time they were there, then uh, this made again for very anxious film watching. Is get the fuck out, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. There's nothing for you here. Go 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 go. Because I've been raised to hey, you know it's coming, you can see it coming. Run, get everybody you can that you feel is not safe and go. Yeah, and not only due to the war, but the more they're staying in this house, the the gin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the dual meaning. It's it's still a spooky movie, but yeah, yeah. the you need to go. This movie could have worked. You could have taken the entire, you could have taken the entire, um, gin out of it. Kept the idea of gin in it and not have any actual spooky, and it would have been a perfect psychological drama. Yeah, but with the addition of real spooky, I, again, it kept me longer than it would because of the same issue I have with dramas. This movie tricked me into watching another drama and enjoying another drama. Yeah, it's very because it's good. a drama with spooky. And so, again, I love it. One of the last spookies that I want to talk about that's so easy to do, and I think these are my favorite parts of like good horror movies. Mm-hmm. Is the oh yeah, it it seems obvious, but when you do it well, it's so goddamn good is when the last phone call that she gets from her husband, and obviously it's yes. breaking up, and she sets the phone down. Doesn't hang it up, just sets it down. Yes. And then there's a whole bunch of spookies that happen. Yes. And it seems like quite some time later, she walks back and picks up the phone, and it's clearly the gin fucking with her. Mm-hmm. And it's straight up telling her, like, even your daughter, own daughter hates you. You can't take care of her. You're a worthless whore. It's just yeah. reinforcing all the things that, like, she's kind of already thinking. And it, it kind of leads her in a little bit. Is this you? Yeah, it's me. And what about this? And, you, and, the t- and then you can't even take care of your own daughter. You're a horrible mother. You're, yeah. you're probably, you're a fucking whore. And I'm like, oh. It's, it's that kind of language that... It almost shocks you as much as, like, Regan and the Exorcist. Yeah, because at no point in this movie has anybody been really profane. No. Because they are conservative people. And that's what I think is so good about it, is it fucking hits you out of nowhere, and you're like, oh. Because, yeah, graphic language, it's not something that we... If you've heard our podcast, you know that we do not shy from it. No. But to not hear it for... Yeah, the movie? Yes, yeah, 70 minutes when you're just being quiet watching a movie mm-hmm. like this. To hear language like that is very jarring. And, and I, again, it's so easy. It's yeah. put an ADR over a, her holding a phone. Right, and and, and again... The, it's not a hard thing to do, but it's so goddamn effective. The addition to, if you think about the last things that she can be in this oppressive regime is a wife and a mother, and her a parent husband telling her she's not a good mother and she's a whore. Yeah. So think about with the culture in depth, the, to us, if we've heard people talk like that. It doesn't, it means something, but it doesn't mean as much if your culture is limited to that's your role. And that's the two things you are fucking beat for on the phone by the one man. Holy shit. That makes it even more pointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. James, this movie's real fucking good. This movie fucks, dude. It, it fucks hard. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, I, I saw your big, big old notebook over there. You, mm. uh, you got any more points that you want to hit? No, because I actually accessed the notebook while we were doing it, and I, I actually wrote down the line that I wanted to remember, and I got to use it when the, the, the parent and the daughter were going. Ooh. So I actually feel like I actually did some shit today. Yeah, you put, you put in work, James. Next time I'll write the director in the year and shit. Yeah, since yeah. we do it every other week. Hey, dude, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I remember that we have a fucking email, okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, are we are we doing the thing? Oh, we could do the thing because we. I don't think we can. I mean, we could we could suck this movie's dick a little longer, but let's say uh, just just as final thoughts. Really, go watch it, mm-hmm. especially if. You, I don't want to say like, oh, you're curious about other cultures, but like, uh-uh. it, it's a very, very well-made foreign film. It is worth sitting down and reading. Let's put it in here. If you are into movies, and I just say horror movie. If you're into movies, this is a good movie. If you're into horror, it's scary, and it's a good movie. And this movie really makes me feel like a dickhead 
Mm-hmm. Would you like to know why? I'm I'm oh, dying to know why. A while back, we had a discussion. I think it was during Insidious as to whether PG or thir- PG thirteen has a place in horror or mm-hmm. not. This is a PG thirteen horror. Film. It is. Yes. How about this? PG thirteen done well. Remember, we were talking about working within strictures and making it work within within limitations. Yes. Yes. They made. I didn't even know this was PG thirteen. This adds this adds an even better layer to how good this movie is. And that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's scary. It, don't get me wrong. It's scary, but it's not gory. It's no. Not, you're not going to see a bloodbath. And, and, and I would have been out of place in this movie. It would have taken away from the scare, I think. Because mm-hmm. everything they do, they make your brain work for this movie. Yeah. And it makes it work great for this movie. I, and I love when movies do that. Trick me into being smart for a minute. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a good one. Watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, we can be, uh, we can be, uh, we can be listened to on the Spotify and uh, all the other places where podcasts are let go of, and we have let a, go, yeah, into the public where they're uh, let off the reins like a tech dog. Thanks. Go get them. Much like my thoughts and points that I usually have, just scattered across the multiverse. Uh, yeah, you can check us out. Uh, we have a Facebook group, Instagram pages. Mm-hmm. You can send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. We encourage you to do so. Absolutely. And uh, if you would like to go give us a couple of them stars oh, and maybe even like a written review. Get more eyes on us. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll consider reading any five-star res- reviews. I, probably not. I don't know why I just made that up on the spot. I'll tell you what, if I, I, if I see a five-star review, <laughs> with an actual review i will read it no matter what it says yeah sure i won't do any of that i will if i can remember it which probably means i won't but still oh do we have anything else (laughs) not this week buddy not this week nope things are in the works and i can't really talk about them till i get more things in the works james really got some things in the works all kinds of stuff really reminds me of this time in a okay that's enough that's enough outside of baker's good night what you don't like me doing my weird tom waits I'm getting, I'm getting uncomfortable. I, I don't know if that's a good Tom Waits or if, the, like you said, the, that might be really when uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> it's Randy down. Waits. <laughs> Randy Waits. Either way, you're causing uncomfortable budges and bulges in my nether regions, so you got to stop talking like that. I'll see you at SummerSlam, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Will you right oil up? A, in a dusky highway in Bakersfield. Ooh, with your arm butter? All right, I think. <laughs> arm butter? Yeah, get them all nice and shiny, get those biceps shiny. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to not butter up. Okay. I think we're done now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Night. Night.